Welcome, friends, and thank you for listening. I'm Scott Sullivan, Discipleship Catalyst with the Georgia Baptist Mission Board, and our team exists to strengthen Georgia Baptist churches in the area of discipleship. We've developed three tools just for you. The Watershed Principle, which identifies the six main ministries of the church that must be healthy to produce world-impacting disciple-makers. The Spark Conference. Last year's conference saw over 33,000 views from 45 different states and 18 countries. This year's conference will premiere on August the 12th with best-selling author Tony Evans, Ben Mandrell, president of Lifeway, and David Kinneman, the president of the Barna Group. We also have learning communities that are set up throughout Georgia, which exist to help you finish the task of leading your family in ministry well. You can see our website to find one near you. Also, every Thursday at 3 p.m., you can catch this broadcast through Facebook, Instagram, or multiple podcast platforms. Now, let's join today's broadcast. Welcome, friends. Today, we are continuing our discussion on the greatest church health principle that I've ever Learn. It is called the Watershed Principle, and I'm excited to have Kenneth Acock with us. Kenneth is the Discipleship and Missions Pastor at Hopewell Baptist Church in Gainesville, uh, up in our northwest region here in Georgia. Super excited. Now, what we're focusing on in this fourth stream of the Watershed Principle is the word serve. Now, here's where we've been. The six streams of this Watershed Principle, which um, if, if you remember, when we talk about the watershed principle, we're, we're teaching you the six main streams or intentional ministries of the church that need to be healthy for the church to be healthy. Now, we went through balance. We went through reach, teach. And today we're at serve. And in the next few weeks, we'll be talking about multiply and lead. Now, we do want to give some free things away, so make sure that you leave a comment. We want to know where you're watching, viewing, listening from, and um, just make sure that we have your name there. We'll be doing a drawing at the end of this episode for some really cool free swag product resources. Now, this serve stream is one of the most challenging pivots that your church is going to make when you start trying to become more healthy. Uh, simply put, a lot of our people in our churches, they want to they come, they want to sit sour and soak. Well, rather than finding a place to serve and they get into this, this mode of just wanting to be a church member and letting the, the pastor or staff or letting those you know, high capacity, correct, charismatic leaders do all of the work in the church, we've got to be able to move all of our people forward. Now, our team um, believes that God has gifted each believer with a spiritual gift to serve in the local church. So our role, Ephesians 4, is to help our church members understand their spiritual gift and help them find their service role in the church. So what we're going to do is, is help them find that role and then equip them to serve well. And every church, uh, I would say, needs a mission strategist. I mean, they, they've got to have a strategy of how they're going to do missions, what they're what they're going to do to serve locally across the street, how they're going to serve across the nation, across the globe. Now, our missions team here at the Georgia Baptist Mission Board has consultants in the regions to help you do this, and they've got incredible and very creative ideas on how you can engage your people to do 
these service projects and be involved and live a missional life. Now, as I said, this is one of the most undervalued streams in the watershed. You know, we, we don't necessarily talk about serving a whole lot. Uh, other things tend to get the glamour, the spotlight. But there are three connections that I really want to encourage you that, that we believe every church member should make if they're going to be a member of your church. And these are expectations. These are, this is a language that I encourage you to use with your people when they join. First, people need to connect with Jesus. You've heard me say that before. There needs to be a genuine salvation experience. They need to know that they know that they know that Jesus has saved them and that their eternity is secure. Second group or, or piece of this that we think people ought to connect with, not just Jesus, but also a group in your group's ministry, whether you call it life group or Sunday school or small group or D group or whatever, they need to connect there. In my former church, we did a study of a previous five years. And what we found was about 90% of new members that found their way and connected in a group were still in our church and active five years later. Now, on the other side of that, we found that about 90% of those who only attended worship and just had that mindset of, you know, I don't really want to get involved in a group. I'm not, I don't, I don't want to have those, you know, I'm kind of a, an introvert. I don't want to go down that road. What we found was about 90% of those people who only attended worship were nowhere to be found five years later. Listen, that's night and day difference. And it just shows us what many of us have been talking about for decades is this balanced approach where people need to be in that large group gathering with your pastor, um, the doctrinal instruction, where you're headed, the vision, but also in these this group's ministry. So they need to connect with Jesus. They need to connect in a group. And the third thing, this, this undervalued stream of what we're talking about today is they need to connect on a service team. You need to speak that language. You need to let people know that this is important. Most churches, the problem that we're finding is that they don't have a system. They don't have a mechanism to facilitate this critical connection of members on a service team. And many of our leaders in our churches are not expressing this. You see, we've got to talk about the importance of serving. We've got to get examples of that. We've got to model that because what we found is that language leads culture. So if you want your people to serve in the local church, then we need to highlight these things. We need to talk about it, give those examples of it. And here's a couple of places that we're seeing churches that are, that are using this language, that are getting this message across. One is that group's ministry. One's from the pulpit as the pastor speaks and he gives an example and he talks about, hey, just a reminder, we have an opportunity coming this week that you can be involved and serve through this service team. Training sessions, leaders, Sunday school or, or small group or deacons or um, the different ministry teams. And when you have a training session, talk the language that you want your people to know and understand and breathe as part of who they are. And also a new member class. You know, we've talked about this for several weeks of just how important it is to, for people to understand who you are as a church when they come into your church. And um, matter of fact, when we talk about that new member class, just a reminder that I wrote a four session um, new member class that I call the connection class. And I'd be glad to send that to you. We'll put a link to that in the comments, but you can also go to gabaptist.org forward slash discipleship. And, uh, and, it's, and we can get that, just communicate with us. We'll be glad to get that to you. And the really cool thing about that document is it is editable. 
which means that if you don't have a staff, if you don't have a whole department who can recreate that department, um, that document for you, then you can use that. You could actually just change the language, change the names on it, and you could use that document this Sunday to create whatever may help you. Now, we want to serve you and, and help you help your members know their spiritual giftedness. We want uh, for them to understand where they can serve in your church, because we believe that there's a sweet spot between their giftedness and their natural passions. So when you help your church members find that sweet spot, that is where you're going to find fulfilled disciples, but also you're going to begin to see stories of greater gospel impact. Now, I'm going to bring Kenneth Acock in. He is our Northeast Discipleship Consultant. Uh, Kenneth just does a great job, has an analytical mind. There's not a problem that I have sent him in the, in the 18 months that I've been here that he has not been able to, to solve and have creative um, ideas. It just helps me rework all sorts of things. So, Kenneth, I'm grateful for you for what you are doing. I believe you got a few questions based on things that you are seeing in the field as we talk about this topic of serving. You want to start us off with question number one? Yes, Scott. Thanks for uh, allowing me to be here today. And thank you, everybody that's watching. I mean, this is a, a pivotal uh, topic for us to be talking about, about the watershed. And you said uh, in the watershed principle that serve is one of the, the most difficult or challenging pivots that, that churches uh, have to make. Why is it difficult for churches to engage their membership to go from sitting to serving? Man, I tell you what, Kenneth, the first thing I would say is that we are by nature, nature, a self-serving, lazy creature. Like I'm the, I'm the, I'm the, the most selfish person that I know. And it's just who we are in our fallen nature. But most people do not, by nature, seek to serve others. And, and, and what I call uh, live the life of a, a third mile Christian, right? Where you know we we have the scriptures talked about being you know going the second mile. Well, I, I like to go further than that because I think that when we talk about Christianity and living life loudly, that a third mile Christian is not just going one mile. It's that exceptional layer where we do things that people say, "What in the world? Can you believe somebody would do that?" But there would be nothing in them that would point to the person, but that person would point. To Jesus. Now, let me give you an example of this. I was talking to Dallas White. This is one of the things just like when I hear these stories, it just fires me up. So I was talking to Dallas about this, you know, kind of the idea of a third mile, third mile Christian and, you know, just serving well and not expecting anything in return. He said, well, I'll tell you exactly who comes to mind. He said, my assistant. I said, really, tell me about that. Well, he's the pastor at the Grove Church and his assistant, I believe her name is Diane. Um, she's been there at the church for more than 60 years, and she serves as Dallas White's assistant, the pastor of the church, for free. She is the assistant. And listen, Dallas is one of the most high-capacity, um, motivated guys, hands in all sorts of things, not just even in, in his community, but all over Georgia, all over the nation. So there's lots happening, lots coming through there, and she serves for free simply because she doesn't want to be just that normal Christian. She's that third mile Christian. So that was, that's, that's one example that I would, I would bring up. And uh, many of us, um, another reason is that many of us are living out a model that we grew up with. Now, think about this. So, so Kenneth, in, in my lifetime, I kind of grew up in this feel of if you went to, like if you go to church, 
right? And you, and you go to, to worship service, say two, three times a month, and you are a good Christian. Like you're doing what's expected of you. But if you go to church two, three, maybe even every week during the, the year of the month, and you are going to Sunday school and worship, well, you're super Christian. Like you're incredible. Like you're the guy that, that I want my daughter to marry. Well, if you go to Sunday school and worship and you serve on a service team, well, you must be called to ministry because nobody does that, right? Well, that's, that's kind of the culture that, I've, that I grew up in. And I still see that in churches all over uh, where I'm going and consulting and, and, and leading. But that's just not who we, listen, that is who we are as believers, we should be in a group. We should be on a service team. We should be in that worship service. All that we do should be focused on Jesus and what we can do to give and serve the Lord. The third thing that I would mention here, Kenneth, is this. Some, I think, are afraid of losing ground from their bottom line, which is in most churches, nickels and noses. You know, I, I wrote a blog and, and I've, I started talking some new language where I believe that we got to start talking about new measurements. I do believe that the keeping up with budget, I, mean, I think you can learn from that. We, we got to keep up with designated, with budget. All those things are important. I think our attendance in worship in Sunday school, I think it's huge. I think it's important. You can define trends. Um, those things are really important. But I do think there are other elements of measurement that we've got to start to talk about. Kenneth? I think that's exactly right. You know, as we transition and talk about systems, you know, one of the things that I have as being on staff at a church, I know all of the service opportunities in my area and discipleship and missions at my church. And sometimes because I know all of those areas, uh, I have to remind myself that not everybody else does and I have to do a, a good job of communicating. I have to do, do a good job of uh, promoting service teams. But um, what are some thoughts that you may have about next steps that churches can take? to help facilitate that, to engage members in, in being a part of a service team. Man, that's really good, Kenneth. I mean, like your perspective as the guy in the trench who's in charge for us to remember, listen, we know everything is going on, but the average church member doesn't. Communicate, 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 do it really well. Well, here's a couple of things that I would mention, just some, some practical ideas. We have talked really a lot about that new member class or what some people call the discovery class of just how important it is to have this mechanism up front as people are coming into your church to, to give you an entry point where you clarify the gospel, where you teach people um, what it means and what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, to give expectations of what people can expect from the church, but also what you expect from the church member, to guide members to know their spiritual gift, and then choose a place to serve based on that, like I call that sweet spot between their spiritual gift and their natural passions. I think there's a sweet spot there where when we're serving out of both of those, that's that that's where that disciple is fulfilled. And I think there's greater in, impact in that moment. Here's another idea that I have seen happen. Some people call it a job fair, where they're just, they get the different ministries of the church and they may put it in the hallways of the church. If you happen to have a church that has kind of that, that big hallway effect, or maybe they do it in the gymnasium. And they just make a big deal and they'll have food and, and kind of create an atmosphere where it's fun, but people can walk around from booth to booth, just knowing, okay, here's some ministries of the church. And what it does is it highlights all the things that you're doing. But when you start to work through this and you get all these booths set up and you get your ministry teams organized, 
What I'll also point out to you is maybe just how few ministry teams you have and just how few opportunities you have. Because listen, if you want people to serve, you've got to give a list of all the opportunities where they can serve. And I would say in more than half of our churches, they, there is no discernible list that you could hand to a family and say, here's a number of places where you can serve in our church. That's got to happen. Here's a third creative idea. Um, some call it a, a doulos or that bond servant or that servant banquet where the, the pastor or leadership team celebrates those who serve and those who give. Because um, when you're constantly serving and giving, there's a moment during the year, I think it's appropriate to get them together and just have fun, celebrate them, bless them as best you can. But what I would say is in this moment, when you're, when you're serving and you're celebrating servant, listen, you can make it a thing. You can make it a deal in your church where like, if you're not on a service team, you're not in the inner circle of what's really cool and what's really happening at your church. And just remember, your church members will imitate what you celebrate. So keep in front of them the things that are really important. Now, Here's a fourth one that's really just developed in my heart just of late. So I'm going to drop this real quick. And, and, and if some of you in the comments, you know, would like to comment and let us know, I'd like for you to comment on this. Serve in the community, but connect the service opportunity with a follow-up plan. Now, let me give you an example here. We have been and, and cons and consistently studying healthy churches, churches that are doing things really well, right? Well, one thing that I'm seeing in those healthy, vibrant churches is when they, they are stringing together multiple touch opportunities. Here's an example. Uh, going into Easter, instead of just having an Easter service where you know your, your numbers are going to be elevated, what if you gave people multiple opportunities to engage with your church and get them in the habit of coming to church or being involved with the church, even if it's not necessarily at your church location, but in, in, engaged with your church, like you have a, a Sunday school, a small group gathering a week or two before Easter, and then they you get guests there, and then you invite them back for the big invite, right, which is a, a big deal we're doing at Georgia Baptist Convention. We've got a whole um, mechanism in place where you could do the big invite and help maximize, have the most people ever for Easter this season, right? You can start this Sunday promoting and using that. Well, if you had that social gathering and then you have the big invite and then what we call the second impression event, which is a week or two after Easter. And then you've got, so you've got the, the social gathering Easter and then you have the second impression event. Now people are getting in the habit of coming and you could even have a new member or discovery class where they're meeting the pastor on the back end where you've got three or four things in a row. Now, if some of you are doing that, I would love for you to drop a comment of how that works for you of, of trying this element of connecting and engaging your community and serving others. Kenneth? All those, all those ideas are fantastic. And I would just encourage our viewers just to pick one, you know, start somewhere and pick one of those things. Right. I know that at churches I've served, we've handed out lists of opportunities to serve. And if I have an opportunity to make an announcement from the pulpit, I, I'll get up there and I'll say, I can't read all these to you this morning, but let me highlight two places. And, but please take a look at that list, the entirety of that list. And, you know, almost every time we've enlisted new leaders and had opportunities to connect people to, to service teams. So all those ideas are great. And we, again, we'd love to hear uh, what everybody's doing in their local church. We've also got a blog specifically about, about serve. 
And, you know, one of the things to talk about in that blog is ways that our small groups can serve, whether you call it Sunday school, life group, connect groups, whatever you call it. Uh, it's important for those groups to serve together. That's a vital part uh, of small group ministry is serving. And one of the things I talked about is look for opportunities to, to serve in your in your class, in your in your group. You know, mm. uh, there's opportunities to raise up a new leader and there's other, there's things that people can do within the context of that group. There's also as we've already discussed, there's opportunities to serve uh, on the campus. There are needs. Uh, my, my small group, my Sunday school class, uh, we help with preschool check-in. You know, there was a need in our uh, preschool ministry. So our, our small group started serving in, in, that, in the preschool ministry and help, help check people in on Sunday mornings. And we just rotate through that. That's a way we can serve on our campus. And that third part, we're serving in our community. There's all kinds of opportunities and, and for us to engage with our community. Uh, to share the gospel in in ways that'll 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 make a difference in our community. So, Scott, what are some ways that you've seen small groups serve? Man, those are great examples, Kenneth. And I was just talking to Chet Harvey. He's a discipleship over at Hebron Church, and he was telling about this lady and her, her mom who are are looking to engage the community and get people uh, where they're meeting physical, emotional, and educational needs in the community, and with the opportunity to to share the gospel with them and get them involved in a group. And he was telling about this one lady and, and her mom that are doing this English as a second language with um, a couple there. And they have gone from just, just the English as a second language to caring for multiple super heavy needs that are in the family, because that family has gone through a, uh, without just without getting into a lot of details, just a tragic, tragic time in their family and caring for them. But listen, they're planting gospel seeds. And this is something groups can do because you can serve in your group. When people show up, you can be a prayer coordinator or, you know, ministry coordinator or, you know, create opportunities to, to get together socially. You can do all those things in your group. But at the end of the day, if you're going to make disciples, you're going to reach people. You got to get off your campus. You got to get in that community and engage people. So I love what Chet uh, Harvey was saying there from Hebron. And along this line, Kenneth, let me mention something, because I love a quote that Johnny Hunt says. He says, Where's your, where your measure is, there will your heart be also. I was talking to Dallas the other day, and he, he uh, reminded me of that quote. Where your measure is, there will your heart be also. The, how we are measuring health, how we are measuring success in our church, we've got to think more than just the worship and Sunday school attendance and just the, the numbers in like our budget, right? So, um, I did a leadership training session with Flat Creek and with the Disciple Maker Network of Alabama, and I called it Leading in the New Different. And what, one element that I was talking to them about is several ideas that I want church leaders to start to consider adding to what's important that they measure. And here's two. Let me just give you two of those right here. One is the number of groups that you started in the past month or in the past year. Start celebrating um, those things you want people to, to imitate, right? So the number of groups that started. The second one, which is what we're talking about today, the number of volunteers who are serving regularly in your church. Most people aren't measuring that. They're not talking about that. But when you can look from month to month and year to year, and you can see the number of people that are consistently serving on a service team and it's beginning to grow, listen, I'm telling you, that is a measurement of church health. That is a measurement of success that needs to be celebrated. And uh, I'll, I'll just tell you this, the big difference in the last church I served in happened when the mindset changed. We stopped looking at people as volunteers. 
And we started empowering them as ministers, not just a volunteer. We were empowering them to be a minister of the gospel and make disciples. I think you got one more question, Kenneth. Yeah, let's let's talk for a minute about about those that, that may have been trying to implement a strategy, but they, they've not seen success with it. What, what encouragement would you offer to those that are trying to get uh, people to a pathway to service that and it just hadn't quite found success with that yet. What are, what are some I'm words just telling of encouragement you, to them? If you've been in that spot where you're responsible to the church to, to fill roles and to get leaders going, and you've been frustrated with trying to get those volunteers or empower those ministries, raise a hand, right? And I'm going to raise both hands and both feet. Because if you've served in the local church, you've struggled at some point with this element. But I just want to leave you you all with a thought from from my grandfather, Um and well, I tell you what, I love, I love what Jeff Bezos, the president CEO of Amazon said, he said, hard work is strategy. Complaining is not strategy. Man, I heard him say that a guy that started a company in his basement and now is one of the uh, most profitable companies in the world, in the history of the world. Listen, I, I thought about that. So, you know what, that's so true in the local church as well. We've got to stop complaining about what's not right and find a way. So I'll just leave you with this thought from my grandfather. He, he told me one day um, I was complaining about couldn't do this and chores or whatever. And he said, son, even porcupines find a way to mate. Stop complaining and make a way. Can I get an amen? Stop complaining and make a way. Listen, let's find a way to get our people involved. Let's make a way and let's not settle for it's difficult because we are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. We make disciples and we do hard things. Don't you give up in that struggle. And our discipleship catalyst um, consultants, they exist to help you in your region. Please give us a call, gabaptist.org forward slash discipleship. And we'd love to connect you with the consultant in your group. Kenneth Acock. Thank you, buddy. Thank you for being on here. Thank you for writing that incredible blog. Very informative. Uh, PJ Dunn, our producer for today. Thank you so much for making sure these things go well, producing well, and give a quality product. And friends, we just want to leave you with a challenge that we always do. We love you. We exist to serve you. And our prayer is that you will reinvest the gospel seed that was shared with you as we make world-impacting disciple-makers. Thanks for listening to Georgia Baptist Discipleship Podcast. And we want to give you a gift. The five discipleship shifts most churches need to make to produce world-impacting disciple makers. You can get this by going to ministryboom.com forward slash the number five discipleship shifts.com. That's ministryboom.com forward slash the number five discipleship shifts.com. This five-page PDF is a discipleship alignment checklist that may surprise you. It will help you learn why programs are killing your discipleship, the number one default worker strategy that keeps churches from empowering their ministries. Learn the OGV factor and how it can revolutionize discipleship, attendance, and evangelism in your church. Again, go to ministryboom.com forward slash the number five discipleship shifts the Georgia Baptist Mission Board is able to provide resources like this because of gifts from Georgia Baptist to the cooperative program. For more information on this broadcast and a customized discipleship plan for your church, visit 
gabaptist.org forward slash discipleship. And by the way, if you found this content helpful, we sure hope you'll share it with a friend. And thanks so much for partnering with us to make world-impacting disciple-makers. <music>